You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. As everybody kind of gets settled, we're going to start with some polling this morning. I know you how much you guys like doing polls and uh, you never get tired of hearing that on TV, This, especially what we've been through in the election and stuff. You're like, man, I want more polls. That's what I like. Um, I can tell everybody's getting excited about that. Um, but let me just ask you, how many of you went to any of our through-the-week, midweek gatherings like home team, the well, men's or women's Bible study, that kind of thing? How many of you? Awesome. Good deal. The introverts went like this. Extroverts were like this. I did. That's very good. But... Uh, our church, it's very important to us. Those midweek gatherings to us uh, and what we see scripturally are as important as this is because it's where you get connected and where community is built amongst um, our family, uh, our church family. And so we, it's important to us. Part of our vision here, as you've seen through our Even So campaign, as we just continue on with that theme, even though we get into other message series is that vision consists of we are building community on the foundation of Jesus, and that's important to us. Um, Let me ask you this. Is there anybody here who it was your first time at one of our midweek gatherings, through-the-week gatherings? Would you raise your hand for us? Actually, let me do this. I'm going to go a step further. That was like just to get you warmed up. If you went to one of our midweek gatherings, it was your first time going to any of those things, would you stand up real quick? Even the introverts? Yay! Yay. All right. All right. That is a celebration. Thank you, guys. Okay? I couldn't tell. There's some of them in there in here just kind of like, kind of. But anyway, um, that's awesome. I want to do something else, something we haven't done in a long time that is is important as well so that you guys know because it just kind of happens behind the scenes, the Class 101 stuff as people join our church. we used to do new member presentations, like, and have people come up here and say, hey, these people joined the church. Welcome to the family. We haven't done that in a long time. So I'm going to go back. <clears throat> we're going to start that again. And I'm going to go back to 2016 and have those folks who joined last year come up as well. And then from here on out, you'll see everybody that uh, joins. Okay? So, and here's the thing. If I miss you this morning, cause Gilda is amazing. I don't know if you guys know this. Gilda... Bailey <clears throat> comes during the week, sometimes twice a week, but all, like once a week, and helps me with administrative stuff and volunteers in our office. And I don't know that we would still be functioning at this point if that didn't happen. And so I'm very grateful for her and what she's doing. I'm, I don't know where she's at and why she's not in here. So <clears throat> y'all tell her how much I bragged on her this morning and go hug her and say thank you for helping Marty because we know how insufficient he is at this whole deal. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, tell her thank you for what she does. But she helped me kind of go back and look. So if we missed you in this thing this morning, if you'll just come up after the service and say, hey, I took the class last year and turned in my paper because we had to do some things in our new computer system. Well, not new, but it's the, the servant keeper and inputting all that stuff into it of members. And so if we missed you, please come tell me so that we can, you know, over the next few Sundays, <clears throat> make that correct. Um, even you introverts, tell me, okay? 
so we want to thoroughly embarrass you as well. Um, but last year we had, um, and I want you guys, if you would, um, I'll just have you stand up where you are, okay, so that I can kind of introduce you to people and people know who you are. But um, Tony and Crystal and Peyton Blake are back here. Y'all stand up. They joined last year. If y'all don't know the Blakes, you need to get to know them. They're already serving a whole lot in the church. You guys know them well. And uh, Hannah, I guess, is back in the back somewhere. She's a part of that family. Um, you got to get to know Hannah if you don't know Hannah because she just... She will brighten your world in many ways, okay? But thank you guys can sit down. And then um, uh, Terry and Lois Huner, right here. Yeah. Um, so welcome them. Um, and you guys can have a seat. I, I, hope, I want you to notice something because I'm seeing it as, as I'm doing this. Um, people already, ser as new members, just already serving because you've, Tony's actually out on security duty this morning. And so, like, we're very unsafe right now because I had him come in here, okay? <laughs> Um, so you can run off at any moment if you'd like to. Uh, not saying you have to, but thank you for serving. Um, <coughs> but uh, our people already serving and, and being a part of the church in that. Russell and Tammy Fuller back here. Yeah, have joined. Very good. Already getting connected in home teams. And uh, they have their son Colt as well that has joined. And Colt is probably up there. Yeah, he's, you can't see him, but he's up there. And he comes and hangs out with David during the week sometimes and helps with things around here. Very cool. Uh, and then, of course, we added some new staff last year, and so obviously they had to join. And so Tyler and Bailey, it, Tyler just drug Bailey along with him. And so y'all stand up. Yeah. The newly engaged couple. So uh, that's him. And then David, our youth pastor, of course, isn't it sad we're in 2017 and introducing our youth pastor as a new member of the church, but that's okay. Uh, he is actually at uh, Oakland Baptist Church this morning preaching for Stacy Lawson over there. Um, something happened this week, and he needed somebody to preach, and so David went over there, and uh, so he is coming back, even though I know Stacy would like to have him, but um, he's over there. And so I want to just pause for a moment and pray for David and their service over there for Oakland and what's happening there this morning. But also let you know this morning before I do that, because after that, um, <clears throat> I'll get right into the message. But in two weeks, we will also have a business meeting on the 5th, February 5th, that evening, um, 630. We'll have, no, it's right after church. Is that right? It's right after church. I've missed, I've misrepresented that to some people. We're doing that business meeting right after church. Is that right, Rita? Okay. Right after church, we'll have a business meeting uh, in two weeks um, in light of bringing on uh, a couple guys as new deacons, okay? So we'll be discussing that. So that's a great thing, too. Um, and there are two guys will be presented who understand to a high degree what it means to be a disciple who serves, because that's part of our, vis our vision as well. And all of this working together so that we reach as many as possible wherever we're called for the glory of God. And so we'll be uh, introducing them, and there'll be a, a period of time will go by that, that we'll kind of uh, we'll talk about how all that works and then have an ordination service for those guys or a firming service for those guys to, to initiate them as deacons. But there'll be that time period where um, if you guys know any dirt on them, you can make sure and tell us, okay? Okay. <laughs> You're like, that was weird. Yeah, it's okay. But uh, I say that comfortably because I know 
there won't be anything, but it's, uh, we just want to pray for David this morning and uh, the service at Oakland, and we're thankful for all of our churches in our community, and we're all on the same team, and it's just great to be a part of something as big as what Christ has started in his church. And so, Father, we just thank you for who you are. Uh, I know right about now, I know they started just 15 minutes later than we did, but David is either preaching or getting ready to, and, and so we just pray that you would just speak through David this morning, that you would open hearts and minds to your word there, here, in all of our churches that are having services this morning. Father, we pray that people would come to the saving knowledge of your son Jesus this morning, all throughout our county, in our churches, and Father, that um, those who are already yours would just grow and change, become more like your son Jesus as they hear your word and as they build community together, we're, we're all a part of this great thing called the church. The church is your people, and we're grateful uh, to be a part of it. So, Father, we ask you to uh, bless Oakland and all that they do in their ministries financially, that they would grow and just would just be a powerful force in this community for your son, Jesus. And so, Father, thank you for them. I thank you for guys like Stacy Lawson and uh, other pastors in our community that give their lives to the teaching of your word week in and week out. And so, Father, just uplift them and their families. I thank you for David and you blessing us with him. Would you just um, continue to help him grow and, and just uh, continue your work? Father, I thank you for all these people that have either joined or they've gone to small groups, that community is growing here, that you're building your church, and we just thank you for that. And would just speak to us through your Holy Spirit this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All of this begins, as we talked about, uh, community, building community on the foundation of Jesus. And that's where it all begins, is with the foundation of Jesus. And it's the emphasis of the start of chapter 2 in Hebrews that we're in this morning as we go through this series in Hebrews, which is where I'm just going to start in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, which says, For this reason... We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard because we have that tendency, right, to go, oh, I heard that, moving on. But it's saying we got to go back and pay even closer attention to it so that we do not drift away from it. It says, for this reason. So for what reason? Okay? When you read Scripture, you can't just go, oh, that was a nice verse. Um, for what reason? Because I say so. Because the preacher got up this morning and said so, because mom and dad say so, because uh, our works and the fact that we're good people do something to make us right with God. So for that reason, because we go through the religious motions for that reason, no, not for any of those reasons. We, you know, to, to figure out what he's talking about, you have to go back before that. For this reason, what reason? Well, let's go back. That's why we cover chapter 1. And if chapter 2 opens with that, we look back to understand. Um, and it's another reason you can't just um, read your Bible this way. You know, there's some people that, and if you do this, I'm just trying to help you, okay? Uh, and I used to be this way. It was like, oh, I've got to read my Bible this morning. And you just drop it open and then kind of go, oh, that's what I'm going to, and you read that verse. Or you read that section of verses. And you go, okay, I read my Bible. I don't have a clue what that meant, but man, I feel better because I read my Bible. You, you, you need to, like, read it, and it's important to go through and read it sort of systematically and study it, okay? 
so that you know what it's really talking about and don't get some verse out of context. Um, you, you may have heard this before, but it's, it's when you're looking at the scriptures, that sometimes we don't understand and we get off track because you, got, you have to remember, just like I, I went to business school back in the day um, in college, and so I had a degree in business administration with an emphasis in real estate. Okay, so that's what I did for a while and did commercial real estate for a while. Um, and then, but what they would talk about in real estate is what? Anybody know? There's three words. It's, they always, that's the important thing. Location, location, location. It's everything in real estate, okay? Well, when you're reading the Bible, there's three words the same way that's important. Anybody know what those are? Some of you want to say it, but you're afraid to. Con- <laughs> well, it's context, 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 okay? When you're looking at your scriptures at the Bible, you want to make sure it's that, that you look at the verse in the context of what's around it, okay, of the verses before and after. I want to look at it in the context of the book of the Bible, like Hebrews that I'm reading. Who's Hebrews 2? Who's he talking to? What's the main purpose of this book? Uh, you know, all that stuff. You want to look at it in context of the book of Hebrews. You look at it in the context of the verses around it. Then you want to take it in context of the entire Bible, okay? And, and that helps you understand really what's the meaning of this instead of just going, okay, this says this, but I'm not really sure I understand that, Okay? So it's always context, 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 okay? So when it says something like, for this reason, you go back and chapter 1 flat out tells us that Jesus is just, he's the best ever. Jesus is the perfect and full expression of God and is just the best ever, period, above everything else and any other purpose, any other um, satisfaction, any other way to be made right with God. It goes, it just says, hey, better than the angels, better than the prophets. This whole thing is about Jesus being superior. He is the perfect and full expression of God. He is God in the flesh and that he made the final and forever payment for our sins. In chapter one, um, it says, after he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the father. Okay. Right hand of the majesty on high, it would say, because he is greater than the angels, the prophets, Moses, than any Sabbath rest, any priest, you and me, he's just superior, he's the greatest. And at the end of chapter 1, before it gets right into this thing about for this reason, it says in verse 14 about the angels, are they not also ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So it's about this superior salvation brought to us by Jesus, okay, who, who, who has brought us this perfect and full expression of God. And so since he is superior to everything and anybody and has made a way for us to receive a right relationship with the God who made us, to be able to have real life, satisfying life, because there's all these other things we try to think will satisfy us and bring us wholeness and bring us healing and bring us salvation, so to say. But we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What, was, what have we heard? What is it? It's the good news, the gospel, as people refer to it. It's the message of Jesus so that we do not drift away from it. Okay, and it's, so it's not just this thing, oh, I heard the gospel, I accepted Christ, that's something I did in my past, I prayed the prayer, I walked the aisle, I got baptized, I joined a church, I did that, 
and now that, that's in the past, and so what's next? And, well, I'll just live however and do whatever. No, it's not about what you did. It's who you now are and what you're becoming, and you never let go of that because that salvation continues to change you into Jesus, more and more like Jesus, called sanctification, okay? So for this reason, and Peter would say in 1 Peter 3.15, if you look at it, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, right? But do this, I love how he goes on and says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Isn't it interesting he would say that, that we're supposed to present the gospel with gentleness and respect? And, and that's a lot of why we do what we do here, and it's not a shove it down your throat kind of, turn or burn, get left or get right, get right or get left, however that works, okay? Okay, it, it's a, we have to give, it's, he says, just like he's talking about for this reason, he says, we got to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And Peter goes on to say, it's because Jesus died for our sins and forgiving us and was then resurrected from the dead to reign as Lord of all, and to bring us new life, 1 Peter 3, 21, 22 says, It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is after he said, make sure you have a reason for the hope you have. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into the heaven, is at the right hand of God. And here's where it kind of echoes what was said in chapter 1, verse 14, when he gets into the angels and, and Jesus being superior, who has gone into heaven, is at the right, God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Because Jesus is greater. Okay? So you see the echo of the writer of Hebrews and what he was saying. And the reason we have assurance of the salvation we have in Jesus, and the reason we have this hope is because he is who he says he is. He did what he said he would do. And the actual event of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is... It actually happened. It's a historical fact. It really happened with eyewitnesses and proven true. Okay? We, we, that happened. And so because he really did that, you have to do something with Jesus. And you can be assured that what you believe is true because that really happened. For this reason, pay closer attention to what we have heard because we drift, okay? If you aren't moving closer to God, you're drifting away, okay? There's no kind of neutral, put it neutral and coast in your spiritual life, okay? There's no kind of sitting still, even though you may feel like that. There's no fence riding spiritually. And this is where the people addressed in this letter are. They're in, they're in this danger of drifting. Some of them are drifting. They're, they're under this persecution. They're under persecution from the religious institution of the day. The Jews weren't exactly embracing all this and weren't sure about Jesus. They had been this, through the system that had been that pushed to put Jesus to death. They're under persecution from the Roman Empire. And it made it harder to earn money at, at doing things as a Christian, a new believer in Christ. It, hard, it was hard, hard to be a part of the social scene of the day because of, of that. It was hard to just walk the streets because a Roman soldier could come up to you and say, who is Lord? 
this Jesus you claim or Caesar? And if you would say Caesar, you're okay. But if you said Jesus, those soldiers had the authority by their government to put you in prison. They like to take you back to Nero, to Caesar, and let him hang you upside down on a cross and light you on fire so he could ride around in his chariot laughing at you as you burned, coat you in wax, light his garden. Or they could just kill you on the spot if they wanted to. So that's that whole verse. You hear me, hear me talk about this often because it's so misunderstood, I think. Context, context, context. Where it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Knowing what was going on and with Caesar and that whole thing I just explained, do you understand the context of that verse when it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord? It's not just going, Jesus is Lord, okay, I'm saved. It's a commitment to say, even in the face of death itself, I'm going to confess Jesus as Lord because I believe it that, to that degree. I have placed all my trust and my hope in that, that my salvation is in Jesus, and nothing this world has to offer can beat that. That's a different deal than, here, re re just repeat this prayer after me. That's all I got to do? Yeah, that's all you got to do. No, that's not just it. It's, it's, a ch it's a change. It's a surrendering your life to Jesus. It's all or nothing. Okay? And I think we've lost that. I've mentioned this so many times. I sat in a seminary class, and they debated about what's the minimum requirements to be saved. Like, what do you gotta, what's the minimum thing you got to believe? You know, try to boil it down to that. Like, okay, what is it? What, for somebody to have salvation, what's the minimum they got to believe or do or whatever? And I remember leaving there, and it just it took me uh, sometime later. That was years ago. But it's sometime later, even years later, that I went, there is no minimum. There is no minimum. It's all or nothing. If that scares you, I'm, I hope so. But if you're all in and you're a, a Christian and you're living that way, then it should bring you great peace. Okay? And we all have moments where we, we don't do so well. We have seasons where it's just not going so well and we're not going to be perfect. But it's a thing of understanding because I'm in Christ, when I mess up, if, if there's this repentance and it should break my heart and if I see scripture and even though I may not like it, even though I may not even agree with it, I say, well, I'm in submission to Jesus. So that's just how it is. I'm going with that. I'm totally off track, Okay. But it, it was hard for them. We think we've got it tough. Imagine that as your culture that you lived in, trying to follow Christ. So as there, there's this pull to just embrace the world around them for, the, for these guys to, to who's reading this letter. Uh, there, there's, there's a pull to just embrace the world around them, to take the easy road, but it's just not the best road ever. So why would we take it? So the warning is don't take it. Don't drift and just fall into what the rest of the culture is doing. Even the Christian culture that is trying to merge the world with their culture. And so as the full and perfect expression of God, that which was restricted before because it was coming through lesser means, as we talked about the prophets before and the angels and those things, it's not restricted anymore now that Jesus has come. 
because he's the greater priest. He's the better priest. He's the superior priest. He's better than that system that was before. Access to God was restricted under the old covenant. Old Testament, old covenant. You couldn't just rush into God's presence and say, excuse me, priest, and just run past him and go into the Holy of Holies and, and, and go, try to go before God. Okay? You'd fall over dead. I mean, even the priest had a rope tied to his leg so he could go in there in case there was something wrong with him and they had to drag him out because nobody could go in to get him. Okay? You didn't have just straight access to God that way. You couldn't just run past him into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and have just a little talk with Jesus and make it right. I mean, you just couldn't do that, right? All you Baptist folks just got that one, okay? But because of Jesus, we now have full, complete, unrestricted access to God the Father. So you can just go straight to him and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right, okay? Hebrews 2, let's, let's read 1 through 4 through so that we see where this is going. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. The gospel is so relevant to you every single day. That's why we sing those songs. That's why it's so beautiful to remember Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It's good for us to sit under that and sing that and feel that to understand what's been done for us because that's what propels us forward. And we need it every day because if we lose sight of what he's done, we start to think we're just good people and doing good and we're doing our religious motions and it's us and our pride increases and all of a sudden we drift. Verse 2, For the words spoken through the angels proved unalterable, Wish I had time to break all that down. And every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Okay? And so here's one of those Hebrew things in the letter, okay? The, the writer is pointing them to the Old Testament law that they know. They're familiar with it. So he, he can make a reference and just know that his audience understands what he's talking about in that. And they know what is taught in the law, and he is using that law of the Old Testament to point them to Jesus, to make them understand that's what's going on. Where it said, And every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Okay? Or rather, if you break the law, then you got, you're punished. Okay? So how's this related? Why pay attention to Jesus? Why pay attention to his salvation? Why do we have to do that? In the Old Testament, like in Deuteronomy, for example, they knew it was basically that the, the giving of the law... Is, was so that God might lead them to life. He gave them this law, so you follow this, and that leads you into his, the, the life that he had for them. Okay? He says, hey, listen, if you do these things I tell you to do, if you walk in my ways, I'm going to bless you. He would say that to them. 
If you follow me, if you live the way I'm commanding to you to live, I'm going to bless you. And by bless, what does he mean? Go back a couple weeks, we talked about that. Especially when you look in the New Testament, what that means. You can go back there and listen to that sermon. Which, what it comes down to, being blessed is a more intimate and satisfying relationship with God the Father. That's what being blessed means in, in the scriptures. Okay? It's not about health and wealth and prosperity and the Bible doesn't teach that. And the only reason you may get that is because of a more intimate relationship with Christ or to do something in your life to get you to see that. It's just a means to get you to a more intimate and satisfying relationship with him. Everything in your life is about Jesus, believer or not. Okay? Donald Trump being president is about our relationship with Jesus. Okay? Our financial condition in our life is about our relationship with Jesus. Your troubles between people in your life comes down to your relationship with Jesus. It's about God using all those things to get us closer to him. Okay? So it's not about finances. It's about your heart. It's not about that relationship necessarily with that person and the problem. It's are you going to have more peace and act more like Jesus in the midst of that relationship? It, it, it always comes back to our relationship with Christ. You know, and you got those people that think, you know, well, I don't, I don't want to believe in God. I don't want to follow God. So I'm just going to, I've got my, my money is mine and I'm just, it's mine. And my finances have nothing to do with that. But God all the while is kicking the tires on your car. And one scripture says he can, he can eat holes in your pockets and do things to, because it's about your relationship with him. So we, we have to remember that. I'm getting way off track again, okay? But he, he wants to bless us. He goes back and says, the law was there because I desire to bless you, but I'm not going to make you robots and make you just follow me on just by command. says, I want you to, to love me back and, and know that I love you, and, and so therefore I want to bless you. And so if you walk this way and in these ways, that's how our relationship builds, and I'm going to bless you. But if you don't follow that law that he gives you, he's saying it's going to go bad for you, okay? So check this out. The entire Old Testament, in its essence... It is, is a testimony that parallels the New Testament that if you follow Jesus, you're blessed, okay? If you follow the way of Jesus, you are blessed, and if you don't, then things are going to go bad for you in the end, okay? Now, I'm not talking about prosperity. It's not health, wealth, comfort, and all that stuff again. Clearly, Scripture never teaches that, but, and I've heard this explained so many different ways by so many different preachers, so I'm just going to throw out all their examples to you and, and, Maybe one of them will hit home with you. But it's kind of like building a house, okay? Um, I built the one that I live in. I'm trying not to ever do that again, okay? Like literally swung the hammer, helped pour the footers, uh, put in the insulation, painted the walls, installed the cabinets, etc. okay? It had lots of help. There's some people here that, that helped. But I, but I was there like, it took like a year to build it, and it just, it was a year of kind of hell on earth kind of deal, okay, really. Um, 
it was hard work. It was time, effort, literally blood, sweat, and tears, okay? I can walk in my laundry room, and I haven't painted that door yet that goes out to the garage. Hopefully, Nikki isn't in here and hearing this, okay? I haven't painted that door yet, and there's still a spot of blood on our garage door where I got hurt, and that's still there. Literally blood, and blood, sweat, and tears to build the house, okay? I'm not joking about that, okay? But in the end, now what happened? I have a house. I have a place to live. It's a blessing to have it and to, to have this place for my family, right? Strange concept, right? Have a house, okay? You go to work, and there's things about work that you like. Like, there's things I like about my job and what I do, and there's things that you just have to do to be able to have the job, right? There's things that I'm not good at and I don't like to do, but you do it because in the end is the reward of doing a great job and the, the paycheck comes and you guys, for you, you do your job and you work at it and there's things you like and you don't like, and, but the end result is there's a paycheck there, okay? And I know if you're, for a lot of people, teachers, police officers, people who are in ministry, it's not so much about it really anything to do with the paycheck because we know, especially teachers and, and uh, police officers don't get paid nearly what they're worth. It's more about that purpose, okay? Another example, but it's, it's, it's this way with all these things in our life, but we look at following Jesus and it's that way and we go, no, that ain't right. That just shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't have to go through hard stuff and like it just should be all love and peace and uh, put flowers in our hair and go sit in a field, right? Yeah, okay. But it's that way with most every Everything. One time I did a youth event called Survivor back in when I was a youth pastor at Blue, Blue Springs. And one of the games I did between the tribes, okay, and people got voted off, depending on who won and lost, and big deal at the end at the high school. It was a lot of fun. But one of the games we did between the tribes was you had to eat an omelet, okay? Now, you're going, well, that sounds nice. Well, it was an omelet, but you had to eat all the raw ingredients one at a time, Okay? And so they picked somebody from their teams, and they raced to see who could eat that omelet the fastest. So it started with, like, a little thing of butter. You had to eat that, and then it was a raw green pepper, and then an onion, and a mushroom, uh, cheese, a uh, little bit of ham or whatever, and then raw eggs at the end, okay? Um, and so they go through that. Did, now, did... Did those two guys that, got, that went through that, did, did they enjoy that deal of, go, of eating all that stuff? Some of it's, you go, well, I could eat that, and it's not bad. The result for them is, I know one of them, if not both of them, threw up before they, one of them finished, one of them didn't, okay? But I think they both ended up throwing up in the end, okay? But, as I'm saying this morning, when I mentioned it to start with, I went, they had to eat an omelet. What were you thinking? I'd like to have one of those right now. Can we just break and go to IHOP? I mean, that's what everybody's kind of through your minds, like you're imagining a good omelet that you'd like to eat, okay? Perfectly the way you like it, hot, cheesy, you'd enjoy an omelet. But it's made with all these raw ingredients that if you just ate them by themselves, you probably wouldn't like, right? Like if, this is the way one pastor talked about it, like if I offered you flour, if I said, here's some flour, would you like to eat some flour? Just, no? 
vanilla extract? Anybody ever just, you go, oh, I like vanilla. Anybody ever just tasted vanilla extract? It's horrible, okay? It's not good. Okay, raw eggs, baking soda. If I offered you yeast, here's some yeast. Dr you know, you wouldn't drink it. I don't know what you do with that. Okay? You're going, no. But now if I brought out, out of this kitchen, and you could smell it already, a, a finished cake, is all that's in there, you'd be like, yeah, give me some cake, right? You'd be ready for it. You'd enjoy it. It, there, it's, it's hard through the, through the ingredients of it, but it, the end result is a, is a cake, okay? Anybody want some cake? Good, okay. Bruce is the only person in here that wants cake right now. now Sammy, okay. I'll make you guys a cake, okay? So the thing becomes, why? it's like he's saying, so why pay attention to Jesus? Why pay attention, for this reason, pay attention it's because he's not your enemy, even though we often think so. Because we're going through these individual different ingredients he's putting into us to make us more like him, and we don't like it. So we think he's the enemy. We're thinking, man, he just, he must hate me, right? Like, my life really stinks. Why, why is it this way? And, and it's because he's not your enemy. You may think things really I'll use the King James Version, sucketh, okay, <laughs> right now. But he's not your enemy. He's not trying to hurt you, okay? He wants to bless you. And it may be hard, it may be tough going through it. it may be tough to swallow, may not taste good, but in the end, you're going to get a house, you're going to get the payoff, you're going to get the omelet, you're going to have some cake, Right? So he goes on to say in verse 3, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Now this is awesome, and this is where I kind of get off track just a little bit because of something I talked about last week. But it's this thing of, let me say this, I'm, I'm learning as I go along, hopefully you are too. It's not like I come up here and I, I go into teaching Hebrews and I know everything about Hebrews there is to know, okay? So it's neat to, to learn stuff because as I was looking at chapter 2, because um, last week I was kind of leaning to that idea of Paul wrote this letter and we have no idea who wrote it. But, but if you know our church and especially men's Bible study and the things, we, we like to sit around and ponder and, and, and think about that and there's nothing wrong with that. So this is opinion and you're going, well, you shouldn't give your opinion. Uh, I, it's okay, it's fun to talk about, okay? But it, it, it's, there's things you discover in Scripture as you try to figure it out, okay? It's not opinion, it's trying to study and learn, okay? And so we, nobody's come up with a clear answer of who wrote it, but I was leaning to that Paul wrote it, because he would have he wrote it in Hebrew, and it's got this eloquent, eloquent Greek to it, because Paul probably wrote it to these, to, to these Hebrews that, in Hebrew, and then Luke translated it to... Greek, and that's why it sounds like it does, and, um, and, and I kind of went with that theory, um, but it's not really like a, a letter that Paul would write. It's more like an essay than a letter, okay? But it has that kind of cadence to it of here's theology, here's doctrine, and then here's application that Paul would do, so that kind of threw me a little bit, okay? But when I got deeper into the second chapter, I saw something, and, and in my research, something that pointed me away from that. And it was interesting to catch that, this, okay? 
this is a side note away from all this other stuff, but it's cool when you learn and notice things you didn't before. But now we know that Paul would say that he got his message of salvation, that he got what he heard directly from the Lord, right? That's what he would say. He, he would say it often, even about the Lord's Supper, when he teaches it, he would say, I'm giving to you what the Lord gave me, what he gave me directly, okay? I'm teaching you what the Lord taught me. But notice in verse 3, this is what threw me a little bit, okay? This was, and if you're like, I already know this, just, applaud, just go, I'm glad you learned that, Marty, okay? Let's move on. But it, I get excited about it, okay? But after it was, he says this in verse 3, after it was at the first spoken through the Lord, so there's there, those who heard it from the Lord, it was confirmed to us, the writer puts himself in this category, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. So he's saying, I heard it not from the Lord, I heard it from those who heard it from the Lord. I'm secondhand on this, okay? So that wouldn't necessarily, I don't think that would be Paul, right? Because he would say, I got it from the Lord. So you see where I'm like, ooh. You know, you hear, you see stuff like that, and you're like, man. Anyway, so just, anyway, I get excited about learning that stuff, okay? So the writer of Hebrews got this through someone who got it from Jesus, not directly. Part of a group that heard the gospel through those who had seen and heard it for themselves. So to me, I go, it couldn't be Paul. So I, I'm starting to turn that corner toward Apollos, but well-educated, knew Hebrew and Greek and all about the Old Testament, Hebrew law, and mentions, and it mentions at the end of the book where Timothy comes to him, and you go, well, who would have known Timothy and had that kind of, relate and done that, and looking at history and how things worked? Anyway, it's just a whole side note, but I'm, I'm just loving it, okay? We just, but the real thing is we just don't know. We may not know till heaven, but, it, okay? But fun to dig and discover things, okay? That's some of that stuff to throw out. Men's and women's Bible studies and stuff love to dig into that kind of stuff and just talk about things and discover new things. And so hopefully you will get into that as well. But he says, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? In our culture, God, Jesus, Christianity kind of sits apart from our culture and has become something that's almost the enemy to people. Culture says that God doesn't, you know, we're looking at these Christians and people and God doesn't want us smiling. He's not about our happiness and, and doesn't want us to have real life, doesn't want us to have a lot of joy, and he's cranky and mean and judgmental. That's what culture is portraying the God we believe in as, right? But according to Scripture, salvation, healing, wholeness, fulfillment, that's all God's idea that he wants for us. You see how twisted it gets? They would say, oh, this Christianity thing, Jesus is the only way, it's so exclusive. And I'd say, no, it's so inclusive because it's for everybody, okay? And it's grace and it's free, okay? But according to Scripture, it's salvation, healing, wholeness. That's God's idea. It was Jesus who knew your, all your sin, past, present, future, who came to you and said, I offer you salvation, I offer you forgiveness of sins, I offer you wholeness, I offer you healing, I offer you an eternity of marvel and wonder and greatness and being with me forever, being a co-heir with my son Jesus. This thing is, is Jesus' idea. Why pay attention? Because the offer doesn't come from a mere man who says all oh, that's terrible. The offer doesn't come from some prophet, some angel, some apostle even. The offer comes from God himself. 
God himself says, come be healed, come be made whole, come be forgiven, come be made right before me. And he's speaking to just the, to the fact that there were all these people who saw and watched the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and followed him up until their death. Think about the apostles. Not one of those guys, not one in the face of being killed not one ever recanted or, or, or denounced their faith in Jesus. Not one, okay? None of the apostles turned after, after seeing that resurrection, knowing, which means you can find outside of Scripture itself in secular historical documents that talk about the death of some of those apostles, and none of them deny Jesus, Okay? And most of them died horrible deaths, okay? Like boiled alive horrible, right? And not one of them while they're like getting ready to be boiled or whatever was happening to them went, oh, hey, we were just kidding. April Fool's, you know, none of them did that. Hey, it was all a joke. We were just trying to start some fun thing there. You know, no big deal. No harm, no foul, you know. But none of them did that. So you have to look at that and go, tell me this didn't really happen. Because they're not going to die for a lie, not like that. And if it did happen, then you have to do something with Jesus. You can't ride the fence on it. it, it You've got to make an all-in or all-out decision on it. It, and I love this. Do you, you realize that Jesus was the most, he still is, the most popular, most famous person to ever walk the face of the earth, period. Like we have our thoughts about all of our, the, the actors and actresses and musicians and all these people we like these days, and we think, oh, they're the greatest right now, and they're so cool and so famous. And Jesus is the most popular, famous person in history. It, greater than all your favorite TV show people, favorite singers, there's been more written about him than any man that's ever lived, period. There have been more philosophy, system of governments based on his teachings. He's been on the cover of more magazines than any man in the history of the world. I mean, think about that. I'm not sure if that count includes, like, people holding up their toast going, look, Jesus, you know. But they would want to reference it. I mean, I'd count that, okay? I wouldn't count that it's really Jesus and it's really something big and spiritual. I'm just saying they acknowledged it, okay? People talking about him. Then then you got all the other crazy stuff. Just think about this, okay? This this blows my mind too, okay? Why is it when you smack your finger with a hammer or you stub your toe, you use his name? Like, what is that? Like, nobody's yelling out anybody else's name. Are you? Like, tell me if you are, because that would be interesting, okay, and why, okay? Some people do often, I, I don't know what H, the middle initial H stands for, but they're still using the name of Jesus with it, okay? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why in the world does everybody do that, believer or not, Right? Where did that come from? 
Not something somebody's going to research and bring to men's Bible study. Here's why people shout Jesus H. Christ when they stub their toe, okay? Um, already writing that down and Googling, okay? But, it, but what it comes down to is you have to do something with Jesus. You can't be neutral about it, okay? It's not a who cares issue, which is where our younger generation, Generation Z, the youngest generation right now, to be the largest generation to come along ever, they have that whole thing. You can say, Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, and they kind of go, who cares? Well, all of us should, because it really happened. Okay? So why pay attention to the, this gospel, to, to the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us? Because on the front end, it's a matter of redemption and being forgiven. I'm talking about when you first realize and, and you say, you know, I come down to this at the end of every, about every talk I do is it comes down to here's my life and, and, and I'm just rolling along and sometimes it's good, sometimes I make good decisions, sometimes I don't. I'm trying to just run my own life and I don't need anybody else and pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I got to make it and, and, and it's, it's me and so I'm Lord of my life or I'm bowing down to something else because it's got its chains wrapped around me, my sin and my flesh. And then you encounter Jesus. You come to church, somebody tells you about it, it comes across your radar somehow, and you, and you look and you go, you have to do something with that. And so on the front end, it's, it's a matter of, okay, what do I do with Jesus? Because this determines my eternity. It, so do I turn and say, I'm confessing you as Lord of my life. You're going to run my life now, and I'm turning from my sin and turning from me, and I'm yours, and I'm all in. So that's the decision on the front end. And it continues to be the blessing of knowing God, walking in a relationship with him forever, and being made more and more like Jesus. Your personality, it doesn't mean everybody turns into the guy that yells and screams and carries a big family Bible everywhere and you know the big white one that people give you when you get married. I'll have to get you all one of those in case somebody else doesn't. I have one, I'll just pass it down, okay? But it's, it's, it's not just turning, I mean, everybody thinks in their minds, if I become a Christian, I'm going to start talking different and calling everybody brother and sister and being weird. It's not that you become weird. It's you with your personality. It's just your character becomes more like Jesus, and you start interacting with people in your morality based on how Jesus would do that. So you become more and more like him. Why pay attention to Jesus? Because God wanted you to know that if you followed him, he'll bless you. So he painted this portrait in the Old Testament of, of Israel and his people. So you could see this, this is a practical, here's what that looks like, but that, that's before Jesus. But now that we have Jesus, you don't have to go through all that. That was just to explain what this, what this really is. God is the one who has invited you into the salvation. He's not your enemy, and he continues to this day to transform and save people. Look at the, in verse 2 again. For if the words spoken through the angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So let me be straight with you, okay, based on that. You and I are guilty, just bottom line, we're guilty. 
you're guilty, I'm guilty, all of us have sinned, all of us have blown it, according to God's standards, even Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, all these people on the morality ladder would say, There's, I've made mistakes, I've sinned, I've done things wrong. So I don't know where you'd put yourself in relationship to Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. And I'm down the ladder, okay? God's way at the top above everybody, okay? We've all fallen short of that standard. So here's the question that he asks. It's not a threat, it's a question. Since we're guilty, what, what are we going to do if we neglect so great a salvation? If that's who we are and where we're at, where are we going to get forgiveness and wholeness and healing? And even Peter, Jesus would look at Peter and say, because P- Jesus did this wonderful sermon where he told people to drink his blood and eat his flesh, but the, it wasn't really meant context, context, context. You'd have to look at that of what he was meaning. But a bunch of people walked off from Jesus. Okay? That's why. I, it brings great comfort to me to know that Jesus would preach sometimes and people would walk off, okay? Experience that a lot. So it's a thing of Jesus does this deal with them and, and, and all these people leave and just Peter's standing there and some of the disciples and he says, so you going to leave too? And Peter looks back at Jesus and goes, where are we going to go? Like, you're the one that has the words of eternal life. You're the one that, you're, you, like, if it's not you, where else are we going to go? Like, and that's what this is saying. It's, it's, it's asking that question, just asking. If, if you turn from this, then where else are you going to go? What else you got? Like, what else is the answer? If this is the one, the offer from the one who all things were created by him for him is greater than all this, this is the offer from him. Now, what are you going to do if you say no to that? And why would you say no to that? What are you going to do? How are you going to fix yourself? How are you going to fill all that half-empty tank called your soul? What are you going to do? What step are you going to take? What are you going to do if you neglect this offer from Christ? I remember being on a retreat with Steve Walker when he was campus minister at Kingswood. And this was back when I was even a volunteer youth pastor at Barnards Grove. But he would, we went to, he would, I would teach the kids at Kingswood, and he would take me to do a retreat every year with the boys sometimes twice a year i think we would go to a lake house and he would do a retreat with the kid with the boys and then do another separate one with the girls and i'd come teach the boys and i remember this argument ensuing between steve i was kind of in it but not so much i was trying to go the gentleness and respect way but but there's dynamics there of kingswood and but anyway so there's this boy and he's arguing with steve and like why do i have to be here and listen to this stuff and hear this and like, it's, it's so wrong and, blah, and all this stuff, and it's not even true. And, all, and it got to be this big argument. And I just remember Steve finally looking at him and going, hey, listen, listen. Why are you getting so upset? Because here's the deal. Let, let's, let's say you're right. Let's say it's not all true. Let's just hypothetically, okay, what if? Then what have I lost? I've been kind to people. I've lived like Jesus. I've made the world a better place. I've brought more love into it. I've done. If you're right, what have I lost? So let me turn around and ask you. If I'm right, what have you lost? And I'll, I'll never forget that moment because he just stood there like, 
Hmm. Huh. No, no more arguing. You know, it's just like, and that, that's what this is doing right here. It's saying, if, if not this, then what? What are you going to do? What step are you going to take? Do, don't neglect being loved by God. Why would you do that? Why would you neglect that? And evidently, the people this is written to were prone to wander, prone to drift away. You ever see people do that? To, to understand and know, and they, they get involved in church, and they get all excited and get around it, and, and then eventually they just kind of drift away. You know what that is? That's, that's how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. What else is there? Where are you going to drift off to? And I wonder if people just get disillusioned because we get focused on the wrong things. We do that often. We take our eyes off Jesus and what he's offering us, and we get upset because some person in our life isn't delivering the goods. My wife, my husband, they're just not delivering the goods and not making me happy. So they get disillusioned by what this whole, just a Christian marriage, and they're not making me happy. Like, what's that? Okay? They weren't made to make you happy. God's got them in your life for making you holy. And you're in this to give to them regardless of what you get. Okay? We take our eyes off Jesus. They aren't giving us what we want to make us happy or patting us on the back enough so we get all crazy and walk away from the bride of Christ and neglect what he died for. We let our circumstances move us away from God People move us away from God. Satan uses good people even to cause division. And we have often placed our hope and our joy in people. And we get discouraged when it should be about Jesus in the first place. And if our joy and hope is in him, then we just walk right through that. It hurts and we have our pains, but we know there's something greater. That this is just, man, I'm having to do a shot of vanilla extract. But you know what? Cake's coming. And things in this world and, and the almighty dollar and who is president becomes our source of happiness and joy. And when it gets in our way and we drift away from the church and God because we don't, because we don't pay much attention to it, the it of the scripture, to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of what God has done for us and what he offers. And so we end up serving our wants and trying to sedate ourselves and make ourselves happy in the meantime more than we try to go after the heart of God and his kingdom and what he's all about. And we drift and we just sit back. And when you guys fix everything and when everything around me fixes it the way I want it, then I'll re-engage and get back involved and maybe I'll serve God again and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get back involved with it. And so often that happens, and we get to a place where we sit back. I don't know if you've ever done this. Every now and then, things will get so crazy, and we'll often get to a point where we go, how did I get so far away from God? How did I, I, I get this far? God must have walked away from me. No, we drifted. We wonder why we aren't doing better spiritually. I can't seem to get anywhere. 
Will you be an obedient and, and making the effort towards that? We don't read his word, we don't pray, we don't serve, we don't give, we don't connect, we don't get a part of community of believers, we, and we neglect so great a salvation because that's what he gave us that salvation for, is to be a part of that. And maybe you need to start your journey this morning with, with, the, with that wholeness, with just the initial turning from Jesus to this because you go, that, that, man, that's the cake I want. That's what I want. I want that. So don't put it off anymore. He wants to bless you, which doesn't mean give you a lot of money. He wants to bless you in a way that it doesn't matter if you got a lot or got a little. You're just full of joy and peace. So maybe that's it this morning. You can have that conversation with God right where you're sitting. You don't have to have me stand up here, do a walk forward invitation and pray, have you repeat after me a certain prayer. You just, you understand this. It's me and my way and bowing down to idols, my sin and my flesh, or it's Jesus. And, and you just, right now where you're sitting, you just start having a conversation with God and saying, hey, I'm making that decision. I'm making that turn. I'm repenting is what that means and turning to Jesus and turning from myself. And I believe Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin that God could have, I could have that blessing of God of knowing him and having a relationship with him forever. So let's pray as we close. Father, I just pray right now if there's someone, you're just, you're tapping them on the shoulder, you're, you've got their attention this morning and they feel that tug. Father, I pray that they would just go ahead and yield to you. I don't know what we'd be waiting on. Life is short, and Father, I pray that they would just right now turn to you and embrace you, surrender themselves to you. They'd be all in. God, that we would celebrate, as we know if that's happening in their heart, in their mind, that, that you're rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing in heaven over such great a salvation as your Son has provided. And so, Father, we'd we want to celebrate too. So I just pray they would be bold and let us know about the decision that they have made and how you have redeemed them and made them to start this journey with you. And so, Father, for the rest of us, I just pray we'd keep our focus on what matters most, and that's your son, Jesus, that we would not neglect so great a salvation or drift from it, so great a prize, so great a savior, Father. May we rise up with anticipation of what we can have with you and just grab hold of it. Father, if there's any drifting, any, anything going on in anybody's heart in here this morning, I just, or anybody listening to this, Father, I just pray that they would realize they're drifting. They would see the neglect in their life of your salvation and they would just rise up with a passion to say it's not going to be that way anymore would you just put a ignite a passion in their soul for your son Jesus that they would just return back to that that they would see how good you are and run to you like never before renew our strength and our zeal for you thank you for your great salvation may we walk in a manner that is worthy of it. And it'll be all, if we do, it'll be all because of your son Jesus 
the Holy Spirit. There's nothing we can brag in in and of ourselves. So we just lift that name of Jesus high above everything else. We know you want to bless us, and God, we are so prone to wandering. So may we not do that for Christ's sake. And so it's in his name we pray. Amen.